from KQED. Welcome to Monday, people. I hope you had a great weekend. Maybe you got a chance to catch up on the seven Bay Curious Prop Fest episodes that are already live. Today, we're on to Proposition 21. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Ads for Proposition 21, the rent control prop, are everywhere. You've probably heard some of them. How did homelessness get so bad? Keep families in their homes. Vote yes on Prop 21 this November. California is in a deep hole with the shortage of affordable housing. Prop 21 digs an even deeper hole. El sueño californiano no es lo que solía ser. Rent control has become a perennial issue in California elections. But how is this year's law different from others that we've seen? That's what we're here to figure out. Stick around. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Founded in 1980, it's still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And still the pale ale that sparked a craft beer revolution. Sierra Nevada, still the one. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. A young correctional officer. He said it was the most dangerous prison in California. Forced to make a choice. Fulfill his oath or back his fellow officers. Recognize the badge of my office. I'm Suki Lewis. From KQED Podcasts comes On Our Watch Season 2, New Folsom. A story about who gets hurt when the system that promises to keep us safe is bent on protecting itself. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Like so many of the propositions on our ballot this year, Proposition 21 on rent control proposes changing an existing law. In this case, it's called the Costa-Hawkins Rental Housing Act. And before we can talk about Prop 21, you really need to know how it works. Reporter Jessica Placek explains. In California, rent control limits how much a landlord can raise rent year after year. And right now, only 15 cities in the state have some form of rent control. It's really the bigger cities. Those so L.A., San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose. This is Matt Levin, a data reporter for Cal Matters and co-host of the housing podcast Gimme Shelter. And he says even in those cities, not every home is under rent control. That's because of this 1995 law that was trying to encourage building by limiting rent control. It's called the Costa Hawkins Rental Housing Act. That passed by one vote that shapes rent control policy across California. It's a huge deal that most people know very little about, and it limits rent control in two big ways. First, Costa Hawkins made it so when a tenant moves out of a rent-controlled apartment, the landlord can raise rent to whatever they want. This is called vacancy decontrol. I see old apartments all the time. They're total pieces of crap, and they're, <laughs> they're, they're charging like a bazillion dollars, right? But once you get into that apartment, they're limited in how much more they can raise it. Every time a person moves out, they can reset it. Costa Hawkins also made it so you cannot have rent control on most single-family homes or condos, meaning most of the suburbs can't be rent controlled. And you can't have rent control on new buildings. So the law created a cutoff date. You can't impose rent control on properties that were built after 1995. 
As for the cities that already had rent control, Costa Hawkins froze their cutoff dates where they stood. In Oakland, the cutoff is in 1983. Berkeley is 1980. While in San Jose and San Francisco, nothing built after 1979 can have rent control. So anything new and nice looking in San Francisco is not going to have rent control on it. Proposition 21, what we're voting on this year, would overturn that Costa-Hawkins Housing Act and shift future decisions about rent control from the state to local governments. Now, the economics of rent control, who it works for and who it works against, are debated. And we don't have time to get into all of that on today's show. But we do have an episode from a few years ago that does look closer at that issue. We'll put a link in our show notes, so if you find yourself wondering, go give that a listen. Okay, back to Proposition 21. KQD reporter Joe Fitzgerald Rodriguez is here to help us untangle it all. Welcome, Joe. Hiya. So give us the top line for Prop 21. What does it do? Well, it's very easy to misunderstand the whole premise. It does not impose new rent control laws, but what Prop 21 does do is allow cities to pass their own rent control laws so they can make their own tenant protections on more recently built buildings, with some exceptions. And the details on this one really matter because we did see a similar proposition two years ago, which California voters turned down. Now, the same tenants' rights groups are back, but they've made some changes this time around. What are the specifics here? Well, Prop 21 really does three things. First, it would overturn the statewide Costa-Hawkins law and allow lawmakers to make decisions about whether or not to have rent control. Getting rid of Costa-Hawkins also means doing away with vacancy decontrol. What does that mean? It's a wonky word, decontrol. Uh, It basically means if a tenant leaves a rent-controlled unit, the landlord could no longer crank up the rent they'd be able to raise the rent 15% over the first three years. So under Prop 21, let's say a tenant moves out and they were paying $1,000 in rent. Wouldn't that be a dream? Um, And then a new Mm -hmm. tenant moves in. The landlord could only raise the rent by 15%, which would be $1,150 and no higher. Right, right. Good back of the napkin math. (laughs) Thanks. And what about the third thing Prop 21 would do? It also has this provision that says after a new building goes up, the developer can charge whatever they want for the first 15 years. That's so they can make their money back. After 15 years, if the city has rent control, that building would then be subject to the local rent control laws. This was added by the authors of Prop 21 uh, to address criticism that more rent control might deter developers from building more housing. And that's a common critique of rent control laws in general, that basically they, they cause less development and that could actually drive market rate rents in the city up. Now, the last thing the Prop 21 would do uh, is it makes an exception for small landlords who rent out one or two single-family homes. They're the little guy, so this would not apply to them. However, if an individual owns a multi-unit building, Prop 21 would still apply to their property. Now, here's a bit of a wrinkle on Prop 21. A state law just went into effect that caps rent increases statewide in many cases even in cities that are not currently covered by a local rent control law. Joe, tell us about that law and how it's different from Prop 21. Well, it seems you're talking about the California Tenant Protection Act passed in 2019. Are you a renter in California? Your rights may have grown under a new law, the Tenant Protection Act. For buildings in locales that are not 
already under rent control. Now, just to be clear, it does not supersede existing rent control. But if you aren't protected, it would cap the amount of rent that your landlord uh, could raise by 5%. It also says that landlords have to have just cause to evict someone. And just cause is pretty much how it sounds, like a right, a right cause, right? Uh, if you didn't pay your rent, if you were violent, if there's a health issue that you've created inside your apartment, uh, those are all just causes that can lead to your eviction. I will add as a quick addendum, there are other tenant protections for the pandemic that recently passed out of the state that prevent landlords from kicking you out if you lost your job due to the pandemic and you swear to it under penalty of perjury. But essentially, this maintains the landlord's ability to evict you uh, for some just causes. And it also sunsets in 2030. But that's actually part of the critique. Uh, the Prop 21 proponents are like, well, hey, guys, this sunsets in 2030. That's way too soon. We have a pandemic. We have a potential pandemic-fueled recession. We don't know how long it'll last. We don't know how long the economic effects will last. And they maintain a lot of these protections, while they sound good, were meant to undercut Prop 21 and were, in fact, a calculated political method of doing just that. Okay, let's turn our attention back to Prop 21. Who is supporting it and what are their arguments? Yeah, so Michael Weinstein, the president of the AIDS Healthcare Foundation, is a perennial supporter of uh, uh, trying to repeal Casa Hawkins and put this on the ballot. It may seem a little far afield uh, from AIDS help to be spending on housing and rent laws, but the organization makes the argument that housing is healthcare. And that's an opinion shared widely in the homelessness community where many folks die of ailments on the streets. Other supporters include former presidential runner Bernie Sanders, the Democratic Party, and tenants' rights groups. Broadly, they argue that this is an issue of local control, that there are lots of different kinds of communities in California with lots of different needs, and local lawmakers should be able to make policies that fit their locale. They also say high rents are pushing people out of California, and increasingly rental properties are owned by big companies who are making the affordability problems worse. This is especially pronounced during the pandemic, where Latinx and black households are especially hurt by job losses due to COVID-19. And they say that they listen to voters' concerns that rent control could possibly discourage developers from building more housing, which is why they have that 15-year provision that we talked about earlier. Let's hear about the opposition. Well, notably, a pretty big opposition, Governor Gavin Newsom, but also construction groups, business groups, landlord groups. They say the law that went into effect earlier this year covers a lot of the same ground as Prop 21. And they say that rent control is not the ultimate answer to California's housing problem. They say a lack of housing is the problem. So we should not be passing a law that could discourage development of that needed housing. Now, they don't think the 15-year window of market rate rent does enough to mitigate the potential downsides of this proposition of potentially discouraging development. And finally, they argue this could hit seniors particularly hard. Uh, many people live off rental income in their old age, and this could sap their wallets when they have no other source of income. Let's move on to the campaign finance here. So how is financing looking on Prop 21? 
Yeah, well, the opposition is far outspending, yes, on Prop 21. Uh, that's $42 million on the no side. That's developers, right? That's, uh, yeah, basically, <laughs> $24 million on the yes side. I mean, it doesn't take rocket scientists to see who would be against it, right? As you're saying, it's property management firms, it's developers, it's the Apartment Association of Los Angeles, which represents landlords. All right. KQD reporter Joe Fitzgerald Rodriguez, thank you so much. Thank you. Let's recap that, shall we? A vote yes on Proposition 21 means you want cities to have the power to pass or update local rent control laws on almost all rental housing, as long as it's at least 15 years old. A no vote means you want state limits on rent control to stay in place. Bay Curious is produced by Katrina Schwartz, Rob Spate, Katie McMurrin, and me, Olivia Allen-Price. But we could not do it without the help of the entire KQED newsroom. Check out more election coverage at kqed.org slash elections. Tomorrow, we take on Proposition 22, the most expensive proposition in California history. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at member-supported KQED. I'll see you tomorrow. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play March's trivia game? Every month, we'll read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a sweet prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is... This Bay Area high school holds the longest winning streak in high school football. They won 151 games in a row between 1992 and 2004. What is the name of the school? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts.